Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will look at Ephesians 2, verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. In this episode and in this section of Scripture here, this verse, we are looking at the last aspect of this idea that we must all face the grim truth of reality apart from Christ. We saw earlier that spiritual death is the reality of every person on earth at some point. That's verse 1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Of course, that's where verse 2 picks up right there. And then we saw that life apart from Christ is not independence. You're not autonomous or independent, even though you are not in Christ. And now today, as we continue looking at the grim truth of reality apart from Christ, we will see in this verse that there are, in fact, characteristics of spiritual death. What does it look like to be spiritually dead? In verses 2 and 3, or in between these verses, we find what we could call the antagonist's trinity or the satanic trinity. Um, There is another satanic trinity that is found in the book of Revelation, namely Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. But this is a little bit different one. We have this antagonist trinity here, and it's comprised of this the world, the devil, and the flesh. And we see that there following the course of this world. There's number one, the devil, the prince of the power of the air, and now the flesh. And we see this in verse three, live, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. These are the three forces that are working against us. This is articulated for us here. It's alluded to in John's first epistle, that's first John. He said, do not love the things of this world, or, or, excuse me, do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. First John 2, 15 to 17. So if Satan is influencing the course of this world actively as the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, the question is, how does he do it? What exactly does Satan do to influence the world? He knows the tendencies and passions of sinful flesh. Don't you think that he can influence the flesh and stir up ungodly passions both in the physical realm as well as in the mind? Of course, absolutely. That's precisely what we find here. So the first characteristic of spiritual death uh, is that we lived in the passions of our flesh. So we'll look in this idea of living in the passion of our flesh. First Peter chapter one, verse 14 says this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Okay. So there is a little bit of insight here. We're not just talking about living in the flesh that I have skin on me. Okay. Flesh is a Uh, a way that the Bible addresses sin. To live in the flesh is to live in sin, to act according to our fleshly impulses, that which just drives us. It's like being driven by hunger. I feel hungry, therefore I go and feed myself. I give in to that. 
Uh, you don't always have to give in to that, right? There are times that you might be fasting or you have to medically fast because you have an operation or a, a test coming up that requires you to not have any food in your stomach or your intestines. Okay. And so there are times that you can master those passions, but that's what we feel like. And so our physical body has urges and desires and we give into them. Okay. And so Peter calls that the passion of our former ignorance. Uh, later on, he says in the next chapter, first Peter chapter two, verse 11, abstain from the passion of the flesh, which wages war against our soul. So our passions, especially when they are unredeemed, are guided by a corrupt mind. This is the state of every unbeliever. Romans chapter 13 verse 14 commands us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Desires there is the same word that we see here, okay, uh, as passions, passions or desires. The interesting thing about this word passion is that of its numerous uses in the New Testament, only three times is it used in the positive sense of having a great desire for something good. And those three instances are in Philippians 1, 23, Luke 22, verse 15, and 1 Thessalonians 2, 17. You can go and look those up. I think the first one is where Paul is saying he has a desire to go on and to depart and be with Christ. Okay, so that is a good desire, but there are lots of uses and all the rest of these uses are used in the negative sense. And only twice is this word that is translated as passion considered neutral, though in context, one of those is even negative. However, all the rest of the passages in the New Testament, and there are several dozen of them, carries the idea of desiring something forbidden or simply inordinate a craving or a lust. Okay. That's, that's a lexical definition here of this word that is translated as passion, desiring something that is forbidden. So Eve desired something that was forbidden from her and she reached out her hand and took it. Okay. There is a desire there for something forbidden or something that is inordinate, that is not ordered, uh, and, and so forth, a craving, a lust. In other words, it's not a neutral term here, but it's used in an overwhelming sense as a negative. Think of it as an impulse or an urge that is guided by our sin-fallen nature. So where we referenced hunger before, hunger is neutral. It's not good or bad, but just as we have hunger warring uh, at us physically, operating within our physical body, and we tend to give into it, there are also even stronger drives and inclinations that are moral, and we have a desire to do something that is sinful, and we so often give into it, especially when we don't have the power of Christ or the Holy Spirit. So this is visceral. The passion here bypasses the mind and acts purely on emotion, acts purely on sense. And there is an aspect where we have to look at the world around us, and we can't just react physically all the time to everything that we see or encounter. So the first characteristic of spiritual death is living in the passion of our flesh. The second characteristic is this, that fleshly desires manifest themselves in two areas, carrying out uh, the desires. Uh, we see this here, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. So they manifest themselves in these two areas. First of all, the desires of the body, then the desires of the mind. What are the desires of the body? 
Well, we see several lists for us in the New Testament, so we'll just let the Scripture answer that for ourselves, uh, answer that for us, and and speak for itself. First Corinthians six nine and ten. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So these are desires of the body, and you can see those manifest in the sins that are mentioned there in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10. What about Colossians 3, 5 to 9? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What is earthly? What are these things? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, saying that you have put off the old self with its practices. And what Paul says to the church at Colossae, very similar to what he says to the church at Corinth, and by the way, in that previous passage, he says something very similar. Uh, to what he says in Colossians 3, 7, in these you too once walked, he says in 1 Corinthians 6, I think it's verse 11, and such were some of you. And, okay, so we're not saying that we are, we are not those now, but we were those in the past. And, and then he makes this careful distinction. In these two, or in these, you two once walked when you were living in them, when you were controlled by them, when they were the very uh, fabric of the world around you, you had no choice but to live in them. And now he says you have been extricated from that. You have been placed apart from it. It's, it's within your grasp. It's within your proximity. You still have the ability to choose to do that, but unlike the unsaved person who has no choice at all, is just led along by their passions and desires, uh, they have no power, uh, Christ is not in them, you now have a choice. And so that's why he says, you must now put them away. So these, again, sins of the body, uh, the fleshly desires of the body. First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 3 and verse 5. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Verse 5, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So that is the fleshly manifestation, the desires of the body. What are the desires of the mind? Keep, uh, keep this in mind as we begin to address this, that we are commanded to have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind is an important arena for the battlefront. In fact, that's where it begins. We're told to have this, the mind of Christ. We're told to take every thought captive. And we must not neglect or deny or cease to exercise our mind in all of this battle. Romans chapter 8, verses 6 to 7. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. We see a picture of our life prior to salvation supplied for us in Ephesians 4, verses 17 and following. 
Listen to what Paul says here. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. How? In the futility of their minds. Verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and even given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil or to the devil. The thief no longer steals, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice." great section of scripture there that really addresses the futility of the mind and what it is to take our thoughts captive, to rein in the lusts of the flesh with regard to the mind and the desires thereof and put them away from us because we have Christ. And by the way, it is Christ who supplies us with the power to do that. Okay, And so that's what we see here. We now have a tenderness in our heart. We have gotten rid of the callousness and we have the ability to fight these things. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we now have wrapped this up that there are characteristics of spiritual death. We will leave this episode here and there's one more thing to discuss and that is there is a future for those who are apart from Christ. This has been another podcast of expositional excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.